I'm Kyle Bennett. And I'm Alex Rotowalski. And this is the Views from the Press Box podcast presented by the Cumberland Times News. This is episode number 20, the first episode that we have done in quite a few weeks. Um, chalk that up to the uh, Greenway tab and laziness. Um, mostly the second one. Yeah, mostly the second one. But there was some real burnout after the Greenway <laughs> tab. So at least on my end, I'll, I'll put yeah, it that way. sure. Um, so uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so hopefully none of what we say is outdated by Friday. I don't know how it could be, but um, yeah. So uh, just pointing out first uh, with the soccer teams, um, the Allegheny girls won the region title before losing in overtime to South Carroll, who lost in the state title game to Falston. Uh, and then the Allegheny boys, they also won the region title, went to the state semis, and they lost to Falston there. And Falston went on to lose to Brunswick um, in the state title game. So it was actually, uh, Brunswick has now gone back-to-back. Um, they have an Allegheny grad as their head coach. I can't remember his name. Oh, Sean something, I think. Or, I'm pretty sure he's still the head coach. Um, but, yeah, the same kid for Brunswick scored both goals in overtime. I did confirm that yesterday. So. Got the question. Yep. He's just got that dog in him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, moving on to football, which I'd imagine most of you are probably here to listen to. Um, the West Virginia State final, which obviously Frankfurt still has to win to get to, but uh, not sure of, not 100% positive on a date uh, or time for that. Uh, last year it was on Friday at 7, so we would assume that's probably going to be the case again this year. Hopefully not Saturday. Yeah, yeah. if it's Saturday, we're, well, I mean, not in too much trouble now that we have three sports reporters here. We'll send Jeff to Wheeling. <laughs> um, the Class 1A state title game uh, will be Saturday, December 3rd at 3.30 p.m., which is typically the time slot that it falls in. So uh, we'll start off with Frankfurt, the number five seed in Class AA, hosting number nine, Herbert Hoover. Uh, that game is going to be on Saturday at 7.30. Um, I... Uh, using air quotes here, covered the Frankfurt game over Scott in the quarterfinals. Um, shout out Video Productions. They had a, a really well put together stream and commentary on it as well, which is always nice. So, um, And the, quali- the, the video quality was great. Didn't have any problem seeing numbers or anything like that. So always helpful. Um, just a, a great performance by them. They be, uh, beat Scott 41-6. to six. Uh, it was like a four-hour and 15-minute drive for Frankfurt. They went down the night before, and, um, you know, Whiteman, Coach Whiteman said, you know, that they they had a good time, but come Saturday, it was it was all business. They were ready to go, and it, it, it proved. I mean, they came out. They went on a seven, nearly a seven-minute drive to start the game, scored a touchdown. Um, Scott's a very pass-heavy team. They have a, a nice quarterback. It's a junior. Um, and they forced four turnovers, picked off three passes. Um, Luke Robinette, just great game from him. Him and Tyreek Powell both went over 100 yards. Um, Powell had two long touchdowns that pretty well iced the game for him. Um, Parker Van Meter, he had his ankle twisted uh, at the bottom of a pile and came out of the game. And He may have gone back in, but I, I don't think he did because I think it was like a three-score game at that point, a four-score game. Um, so it might have just been kind of a – precautionary thing uh, from Coach Whiteman. Um, so, but he did tell me afterward that uh, he expects him to be back. So, um, 
And, uh, you know, Parker, of course, is the uh, fullback who missed the better part of the last two games. Um, I think he had two, two carries against Kaiser. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. I think he had two yeah. carries against Kaiser. He had none um, their first playoff game. And uh, obviously had a big game uh, on, on uh, Saturday. But um, hopefully he's healthy. He's their team uh, leader in touchdowns with 16. Um, interesting note about, um, you know, Powell and Robinette both going over 100 yards is now they have three running backs with at least 10 touchdowns uh, on the season. And um, now they're one of two area teams joining Fort Hill to be able to say that. Fort Hill's about to have a fourth with uh, Jabril Daniels is at nine, I believe. Yeah, he's having that. He's, he's played that like year. four games. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so Frankfurt just seems to be getting better. Um, as the year goes on. And Coach Wyman kind of predicted that, um, you know, he's hopeful that Scott, with who they play up there, that not really used to playing teams that kind of run at you and downhill running and just, you know, quick hitters, that kind of thing. They're used to more spread offenses and, and that kind of thing. So that seemed to, be, uh, seemed to be the case. They weren't able to stop. I mean, even if they were able to tackle Frankfurt, it was still, you know, nominal gains that, you know, stacked up. That's how you get a seven-minute drive. On you, I mean, you could just tell uh, with uh, Luke running the ball that, that, like, they just didn't have an answer for it. Um, yeah. You know, that they early on they tried tackling him up high, and it just wasn't working because he's just such a big kid, mm-hmm. and he they were just bouncing off of him. So then they, they were trying to tackle around the, the knees and the ankles, and it just wasn't working either because he's just so shifty on his feet that, you know, that, that's not really a successful strategy either. So... Yeah, it's just another example of just why the West Virginia playoff <clears throat> playoff format, excuse me, is superior because you get these matchups that I mean that's a matchup that has never happened before. It might never happen again. Yeah, you know, and it's you know with such big stakes at that stage, it's uh, it's pretty cool just because you know and Maryland. I mean, I don't know. It, I guess just the amount of teams in each class and that kind of thing. It just doesn't happen that often where you play somebody for the first time ever. You know that has never seen your offense before. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You have yeah, no idea yeah. how how it's gonna how you're gonna stack up. I really don't want to go on a tangent here, but yeah, the West Virginia playoff system is superior. Yeah. And you just you can't can't convince me that Maryland can't do it. The only reason they can't do it is because they don't want to do it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not like, I'm not saying you know Ryan Patterson or Brian Hansel don't want to do it. I'm saying that the state of Maryland doesn't yeah, want to. Yeah, one state is squeezing as much money as they possibly can out of it. Yeah. And the other is cares about, you know, athletics a little bit more. But hey, hey, look on the bright side. Fort Hill and Southern got to split gate money, all right, That's for a true. playoff game. That is for true. For a 74 nothing playoff game. And it game. wasn't a lot of gate money they split, so <laughs> luckily uh <laughs> luckily I was able to see that. 13 plays, 53 points, I think, at halftime. Something like that. Great game. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so Frankfurt, they got Herbert Hoover this week, who uh, defeated, um, who's it, Winfield? Winfield, top 20, seed Winfield. 27-26. Yep. <clears throat> Their coach had that uh, emphatic running across the field, screaming at the other team. Oh, no, he was trying to shake people's hands. He hand. was trying to shake their hand. He, like, he put could. his hand out for, like, every player on the team as mm-hmm. they walked by. Yeah, team, yeah. so... Hopefully uh, we get to see some of that on uh, on Saturday. Always yeah, love that. I think there was some kind of, I don't know, there was some kind of pregame bust up between the two teams or something like that. Yeah, allegedly Winfield saying, like, it wasn't going to be a difficult game or something like that. or Yeah. Or that the first game should have been a blowout that they played earlier in the year. I don't know. Something like that. 
I can't remember. Some, something stupid. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I can't remember if it was that game or it was a different game in West Virginia this week. <clears throat> but I don't remember if the teams were, like, stretching or what. It was that game. And Herbert Hoover yeah, just ran out in between them. There was, like, a tunnel Alleg- or something like that. Allegedly they did, but it, like, I mean, if you watch the video, I actually found the video. They run, like, kind of next to them. And but while they're doing that, two of the coaches are, are like, one of Winfield's coaches is, like, running alongside the sideline, and they're, like, yelling back and forth, like, both oh, okay. jogging. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. I think there was an argument at midfield after that, too. Yeah, there was. Yeah, There's just I, I all kinds of dumb, dumb shenanigans. Yeah. I doubt that that will happen on Saturday, but I hope it does. Yeah, I doubt, because, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that uh, – I wouldn't want to find out, but I don't know that Coach Whiteman has, like, that kind of fight in him. Like, not, like, neg- not negative exactly. energy yeah. like that. Yeah, not, yeah, not too positive. in a negative sense. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I don't, I don't, but I also don't want to find out if he has that in <laughs> yeah. him. Like I'd, Maybe he does. I'd rather not. I'd rather not find out. He's passionate about his kids. So Coach Whiteman would, would kick my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Called him on Saturday um, after the game. He called me, and I missed his call, so I called him back, and he answered saying, uh, Charleston City Walmart, how can I help you? It's like, <laughs> what? Classic dad joke. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this will be the Falcons' fourth state semifinal appearance, uh, first in 94, again in 2009, and again five years later in 2014. Uh, and this is the second home state semifinal game, which uh, I can't remember if we said yet. It is Saturday at 7.30 p.m. And um, it's the second meeting ever between Herbert Hoover and Frankfurt. Frankfurt won the first uh, 42-16 in 2009, which was coincidentally uh, Kevin Whiteman's first playoff game ever coached. Um, they said Frankfurt. It was a it was a home game. It was also the uh, his second season at Frankfurt as the head coach. So a little bit of history there. Yeah, it. Uh the Herbert Hoover Winfield Scott thing this weekend was just kind of, I guess, interesting. Just because like all those teams played each other, because mm-hmm. um, I guess they're all relatively from the same area. I think Herbert Hoover's a little bit north, but because uh, I think their drive this week is like three hours. Um, but you know, Winfield a few weeks ago, Winfield needed a really they needed a win. I mean, they finished undefeated, but they. I guess their schedule wasn't. I think really Winfield convincing. lost a game. Oh, did they? I, th- I thought game. they. Did. Maybe they didn't. I thought they did. Interesting. So they lost a game and were still the top seed. Because uh, Independence couldn't find a tenth game. Uh, yeah. So they were nine and zero. Winfield was nine and one, and they beat them on points. Oh, uh, okay. Now that would yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, Independence couldn't get a tenth game. As you can probably hear my typing. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. They lost to uh, Hurricane, not Hurricane. Of course. In week one. Speaking um, of week one, Hoover lost to Scott week one, thirty-four nineteen. So that's an interesting uh, head-to-head there. So I mean, given the fact that um, you know Scott didn't have much experience with run-first power offenses, I doubt Herbert Hoover does. Given the fact that they're in the same area and play similar schedules. Right. Yeah, and uh, I think play a, a kind of a similar style to Scott as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they 
I want to say that Winfield scored with like a minute 20 left or something like that to take the lead last week. Yeah. And then Hoover went down and scored with like two seconds left. Yeah. And won 27-26. So. Yeah, Hoover has like a really dynamic quarterback. He has like, uh, he's like 1,400 passing yards. He has like 1,400 on the ground as well. And he has 24 rushing touchdowns, 20 passing touchdowns. He does have 10 picks, so makes uh, he's do like a mistake a game. But nonetheless, I mean, that's just a lethal. I mean, you run for 1,400 yards from the quarterback position. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And I, I, allegedly they have a running back who's dinged up. I'm not sure who that is, but um, I'm not sure if he played last week. But apparently they have a running back who may or may not play. Well, Frankfurt has a tight end who may not play, but – then again, as well, we they, have said, a, they have a tight end who won't play. Well, but as we but saw, as we saw last year. Oh yeah, with the you know, with, with the, uh, the Marshall Payne. kid, yeah, Toby Payne from Poca got yeah, who got shouldn't it. have played against Frankfurt and still did. So yeah. they're just they're too gentlemanly over there. Appeal process <laughs> definitely doesn't matter what your name is or anything. No, not at all. What or where, you where you're going? Nah, yeah. that's not important. Uh, all right, do you have anything else on Frankfurt before we move on? I do not. All right, so again, that game is Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. So um, next up is Ford Hill, the number two seed in Class 1A on this side of the Potomac against number three, Joppa Town. Um, this game is Friday at 6.30 p.m., and this is the Sentinels' ninth straight appearance in the state semifinals. And uh, my, Is, is my their 28th overall? Uh, that's just that's insane. They're 15 and 12, which I believe is tied with Damascus for the most wins in the state semis in state history. Hmm. 28 is the most appearances. I want to say Dunbar has 27, and they've won 14 or something like that, maybe. So they're tied with Dunbar on appearances? Maybe they're not. No, actually, no, no, no. Uh, Dunbar is 14th. I think they've only played 20-something seasons mm-hmm. in in um, since they sp- Stuff playing in MSA or whatever that mm-hmm. other league was. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's always the thing with Dunbar is, like, obviously what they've done is impressive, but it's, like, they yeah. also haven't been in this MPSSAA for very long. Like, I think they've won 10 titles. Like, they're, like, yes. or, or maybe it's nine. They're, like, a couple off the all-time record of, I think, is it Seneca Valley who has the most at 11? I honestly don't I think. Know. I almost said Seneca Wallace. I think it's I think <laughs> nice it's, little throwback there. <laughs> I think it's Seneca Valley who has eleven, like a Moco school. But yeah, Fort Hill. I'm I am positive on that that they're uh, tied with uh, Damascus for most wins in the state semis ever. While I try to find this, because I know Wayne Porter is listening to this, um, the legendary Wayne Porter statistician at Mountain Ridge and uh, pizza provider and of, pizza provider of yep. Times News. Uh, <laughs> What uh? What high school did you go to? I went to Century High School. Okay, that's what I said last week. That I, I thought that was where you went, but yeah, it's um, it's like five minutes from South Carol. Uh, okay. They're like all in the same zip code. That when I mean that, I mean Century, Liberty, and South Carol, all in the same zip code. Gotcha. Why would they do that? Who knows? Yeah. So uh, Seneca Valley has the most state titles at twelve. Twelve. Yep. And Dunbar has like. Well, unless unless they won a state title last year, Seneca Valley is bad now. No oh, okay, no yeah, offense then. to them if, the, if any Seneca Valley fans are listening. For some reason, the book is updated through twenty twenty one, but the football records are only updated through twenty twenty. That's so, cool. That makes sense. 
Either way, Dunbar, I think, is close, and they've only been playing in FPSSA since, like, the 90s. I will tell you in a second. Oh, that's right. Uh, it's Paul Dunbar, isn't it? Paul Lawrence. Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Yeah. Not to be confused with Dunbar of the District of Columbia. They have 11 state titles. Yeah, so they're one off the all-time record, and they've played, like, 20 fewer seasons than anybody else. It's insane. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> Fort Hill playing in its 28th semifinal game. They got Perryville, who is uh, also at 11-1 and this year. Joppatown. Or Joppatown. They just beat up on Perryville yeah. 49-7 last week. See, that's funny because I, I called Perryville's coach. Uh, Joppatown. I was like, are you Joppatown's coach? And he's like, <laughs> I mean, that's the most embarrassing thing I've done in a while. So, <laughs> God. I, I mean, I, I think they're rivals or whatever because they play every year mm. down there. But, yeah, so that was bad. So now I'm doing it now with the, with the reverse. So, getting them back. It all evens out. But, yeah, anyway, against the uh, Parable last week, <coughs> Jabril Daniels, uh, Fort Hill sophomore fullback, 14 carries for buck 66, four touchdowns, all in the first half. I mean, just insane. Um yeah, he just, um, they were going with this, like, eye formation, I, which I kind of thought at the time was just because of uh, Taven Willis being out. They're like, let's go with a power, more of a power formation and because mm-hmm. we don't have an extra uh, a wing or an extra tailback. Um, but, no, it just seems like that's just something that they wanted to try. And um, it was pretty unstoppable just putting uh, um, putting Tanner in the backfield behind, uh, behind Jabril. And they had um, uh, Metz moving him in motion, the tight end, um, just getting extra blockers on each side and, and winning matchup, you know, with no, the, the numbers game there. So um, it'll be interesting to see just because they have – it just seems like every week they're adding a new wrinkle. They have, of course, the old wing tee, and then they have the shotgun look that they haven't really used as much recently. I mean, there was a, kind of a weird snowy game last week, but nonetheless they haven't really used the shotgun – the traditional shotgun in a while. They've used uh, the uh, Wildcat variant with Mikey Allen as the uh, quote-unquote quarterback. Um, but, yeah, so they, they have more um, diversity in their playbook that, you know, seemingly could be beneficial when, if and when they do end up getting Mountain Ridge again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly seems like we're on a uh, collision course to that. Um, and, you know, Joppatown has one of the best running backs in the state, um, is it Steven Robinson? Is that his name? It is Steven Robinson. And uh, he possibly won't play. I guess by rule shouldn't play this week. Um, yeah, he was ejected for targeting in the first quarter against Lake Clifton. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was one of those things where it, it appears they have a, a kind of a dynamic quarterback a little bit too. But, you know, if you don't have that tailback. I know a few weeks ago you were saying that he was, like, third in the state in rushing or something. Yeah, like he, has, he has, like, 2,200 all-purpose yards, uh, 31 touchdowns. He's uh, yeah, he's third in the state in all-purpose yards, like, regardless of class. So, I mean, you take a player like that out of your offense, and, you know, you can understand why Lake Clifton was able to come all the way back and almost win that game. Right. That game was, it was 30-all, I believe. Like, they came back and tied. Yeah, because it was uh, 38-30 was the final. Yeah, it was – so Lake Clifton came all the way back and tied the game and almost won. Yeah. And I mean, no offense to Lake Clifton, but that's not a team that you should lose to. Right. Especially when you're uh, eleven and one. Yeah. So, 
you know, that's going to be really bad for them if he's not playing. And, you know, they do have a good quarterback um, who has um, Anthony Wilson. He has, like, 25 passing touchdowns. Um, but, I mean, if you just, you take that player like that out of your offense. And also, I mean, Robinson has, like, seven receiving touchdowns and, like, almost 400 yards in the passing game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be rough for them. You take Derrick Henry out of the Titans' offense, and they don't have an offense. Yeah, it's not good. You know, it's but, not going to look good. Yeah. So, I mean, you play Fort Hill, too, who's averaging, like, se- uh, seven points a game, 100-something yards a game defensively. I mean, just an unbelievable defense that's yeah. just getting better as the year goes on. Not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Um, that's one thing that we haven't really talked about yet is just how insane last week was just with the weather. Yeah. Like, I got, like, two snow squall alerts, one at, like, 445 and another at, like, 515, I think. And... Uh, you know, it was just kind of flurry, and then I got up to Mountain Ridge at 6.05 and took a photo when I got in the press box, and it, it was snowing, but there was, like, hardly any snow on the field, and within 15 minutes, when the National Anthem was played at 20 after 6, the field was completely covered, <laughs> so it was just, it was insane, like, I said in my story that it was a snow globe, and that, that is what it was up there, and it was pretty similar down here, it looked like. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely didn't affect the game as much as it did in Frostburg, obviously. Just yeah. because, I mean, it was snowed enough to cover the field. By the time the game started, it was done. The snow was. Mm. And um, it just progressively, as the game went on, the snow melted or whatever, got pushed down by the cleats. So, I mean, it's also, you know, on turf. It just didn't really end up mattering that much. But yeah. it looked good. Yeah. It, it looked was. Good. It looked good at the start. It was pretty funny because. Uh, Obviously, each quarter of the team switch ends, and uh, the first quarter, Ridge was leading 34 nothing at the end of one, I think, or 36, I can't remember. Um, and, like, inside, like, the Mountain Ridge 30, there were, like, no footprints because yeah. Bow Manor just didn't have the ball down there. <laughs> so it was, like, the only parts of the field that were clear was from the Mountain Ridge 30 toward the Bow Manor goal line. Um, just a, a – just – insane day and, uh, you know, night for Mountain Ridge, and they, they just kind of seem to be firing all, on all cylinders here. Um, this is the first ever meeting between Mountain Ridge, and uh, they play number four, Brunswick. Uh, that game's also Friday at 6.30. Um, Brunswick has also never played Bell, and Brunswick's been around for over 100 years, so that's kind of nuts. Um, Mountain Ridge is 11-0, undefeated this year, obviously, and Brunswick is at 9-3 and with losses to uh, South Carroll, who is not in the playoffs anymore, but I think they finished 10-2, and I want to say. Yeah, they got upset. Uh, Walkersville and... Walkersville is very good. Yeah, they were, I think, 10-3, and and they're not in the playoffs anymore. They and almost beat Milford Mill, who's mm. on the unbeaten defending champ, and I want to say it's... Uh, 2A maybe? Or maybe it's 2A, 3A? I don't even remember. Is there even a 2A, 3A anymore? No, there's or, not. It's 3A, 3A, 3A 4A. 4A. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of 3A then. I don't remember. Whatever class Milford Mill is in and Walkersville they're in. Uh, Walkersville almost beat them. Mm. That's all I really had to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> and the other team they lost to is 6-6. Six and six, So, you know, it's not like they're, you know, losing to bad teams or anything like that. And they had the, didn't they beat Fort Hill one year? I believe. They did. The, the, last, last, the last time that I think it was the last time they played. No, it was not. Matt, Fort Hill beat them in the opening round a few years ago. But uh, the last time... Fort Hill beat them like 70-7 to seven one time. Yeah. 
Which I yeah. guess was like kind of revenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they beat them like 46-42 in the region final. It was the last time Brunswick has been in the state semis in 2012, I want to say. Yeah. Um, they beat Fort Hill in the region final. And I don't know who Brunswick lost to in the state semis. I guess there's a possibility. It could have been Dunbar. Um, but Brunswick, the Railroaders, as a uh, lover of trains myself here, that's a, a great nickname. Definitely a train town. Yeah. Uh, they beat... They beat number five, Forest Park, on Friday, 17-8. Um, their tailback, Ben Wells, is, uh, seems to be the bell cow for them. Uh, he had 23 carries, 136 yards. I think he had one of their touchdowns. Um, quarterback Ethan Houck went 4-4 for 43 yards and a touchdown. And they seem to have a semi-reliable kicker, at least, with uh, Sam Verosto. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he had both PATs and uh, had a 23-yard field goal last week. And they also forced four turnovers, which is significant because the Mountain Ridge first-team offense hasn't turned the ball over in seven games. So Not that, bad. that streak came to an end last week on um, definitely a questionable call. I'll put it that way. Um, the team streak. Yeah, the team streak. It was late in the game. It was. It ended up being Mountain Ridge's final drive. They had they had the ball twice in the second half because the running clock, obviously, mm. and. Um, Mountain Ridge fumbled it, and I think they would have punted anyway because I think it was like I think it was already like third and fifteen because of a penalty or something like that. Yeah. And uh, they lost yards on the play. They fumbled it, and they fumbled it on the near side, and the far side ref, I guess, saw that Bo Manor had fallen on the ball, but meanwhile the ball was behind the Bo Manor player and Mountain Ridge recovered it. Hmm. So they ended up giving the ball to, I assume it was like a ref close by, just didn't have a view of it. Yeah. And I understand why the far side ref had a view of it, because it was, there was nothing impeding his view. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, so a little unfortunate for Mountain Ridge, but, you know, Coach Patterson said after the game that he's hoping that maybe that is them getting that out of their system um, before what they hope is two more football games this year. Well, I think the uh, uh, that uh, Forest Park game is also of interest to Mountain Ridge, given the fact that Forest Park came up here to Frostburg last year and got uh, got beat up a little bit. Yeah. They had, I'm going to say, three or four. They had a drive where they had like three encroachment penalties on the same drive <laughs> against Mountain Ridge. So, I mean, if that's a team that you can only score 17 against, then, you know, not a, not the best look yeah. for your offense. Yeah, yeah. Unless Forest Park is, like, demonstrably better this year than last year, but I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. One-year swings like that. But then, I mean, eh, it's different. West Virginia is different. I was going to say Tucker County. But, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, on the Mountain Ridge side, you know, it all kind of speaks for itself. Um, quarterback Uma Puali uh, is just firing on all cylinders. He was nine touchdown, passing touchdowns shy of tying the area passing record. And by the end of the game, he was three shy. So Not bad. could break the record. Uh, I guess this will be coming out Friday, so tonight. And according to Baltimore Sports and Life, he is, uh, is does he have three or 17 rushing touchdowns right now? Yeah, 17, yeah. So 26 passing and 17 so rushing. So he is three rushing touchdowns away from being the first player in state history to have 25 
plus passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in the same season. So pretty insane, regardless of class, all time. Yeah, yeah. Never and been done. The only uh, the other player that came close, um, I hope I'm pronouncing the Kyrese Walker of Westminster. Um, Shout out to Carroll County once again. <laughs> Heroin uh, high, we called it. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Westminster, baby. <laughs> um, he almost joined Uma in the 2020 club. Um, he threw for 19 and rushed for 18 this season mm-hmm. uh, in 12 games. And I don't know if that means that they lost last week. They um, did. Okay, yeah. So They lost to Oakdale. Oh, uh, okay, okay. A week after Oakdale beat Frederick. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, so he has, he is, uh, through 12 games, uh, Mr. Walker is 1-8. Well, they, they are, like, almost identical. Uh, he has 118 completions. Uma, in 11 games, has 117. Uh, he's attempted 224. Uma's attempted 186. Uh, Mr. Walker has 1,756 pass yards, 19 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And Uma has 1657 passing for 26 touchdowns and just three interceptions, which is insane. And the thing about, like, Uma's stats is that, I mean, well, Westminster plays a lot more closer games. So yeah, that guy's playing four quarters. Right. Whereas, you know, Uma could have 40 passing touchdowns potentially if they're, you know, running it up on people or had, they had some more competitive games. Yeah. And, Ma- I mean, Mountain Ridge's defense is – like, just as insane as the offense. Um, they haven't allowed more than 16 in a game this year. All but one of their games has seen a running clock at some point. Was the 22-point win against Fort Hill, is that their closest game? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Speaks for itself. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, Absolutely dominant season. Uma uh, Uma's averaging 150 passing yards per game and 93 rush yards per game. Um, he's over 1,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing on the year. With, uh, as I said, 1657 and 1024 on the ground, and 43 total touchdowns, 26 passing, 17 rushing, and as I said, only three picks. So, speaking of which, do you want to talk about our, our uh, personal uh, picks for player of the year and stuff? <laughs> Not that we have absolutely any say, because yeah, the, we the, should... coaches, the coaches vote and we have no say on yeah, it. Yeah, we should preface this, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't want any say on it. Like, yeah. I, I would much rather it be this way. I'll say that, that before the voting happens, because if there's something that's, like, ridiculous, then I won't feel the same way. Yeah. Um, like, Anthony Palmazano being a second-team DB last year. Yeah. When he's, like, clearly one of the best DBs in the area. Yeah. Probably the best. Probably the best, yeah. Last year, at least. As a junior. And he's just as good. I mean, he's better this year. Right. Yeah, so that's that was just insane. But, yeah. So, yeah, so it is a... Uh, I don't know, I guess a democratic process, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, no electoral college. but um, It's tough, too, because, I mean, a lot of these coaches in the area don't even play each other anymore. So right. it's like they're just going off stats and, like, reputation and that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, but it is what it is. Like, I guess, like, Ridge, Alco, Frankfurt, and Kaiser are, like, the closest thing to kind of play in everyone. Yeah. But Northern. Yeah, Northern, yeah. And... Uh, a part of that is that, um, you know, the five Western Maryland teams all have to play each other now, um, which that'll just be a whole new tangent if we go down that road with Fort Hill's scheduling issues and whatnot. 
Um, as someone so kindly pointed out on the F Club page today that Martinsburg has an opening next year. So <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, it, pe- people still talk about, you know, a few years ago when Sefa Puwali, who I believe is Uma's cousin, I'm pretty sure, because I think, uh, I believe they call him Big Sefa, the uh, OC, um, is Uma's dad. And I want to say when Sefa played that I believe Coach Patterson told me that uh, Big Sefa is Sefa's uncle. Okay. Yeah. The OC was Sefa's uncle. And, <laughs> uh, so know, they, so the, the kid is little Sefa, or is he just Sefa? He's just Sefa, It's Sefa and big Sefa, but no little Sefa. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. That makes sense, though. I think that's how it goes. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just, that was your, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole, but. You don't want to talk about Carson Robinette or? No. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else is. T- Talked enough about well, not someone else, but another another outfit has talked media, enough about media outlet. Yeah. You know, another media, well, multiple media outlets. Friends of the show about Carson Robinette, which is fine. I mean, it's you know, I, every time they brought it up to me, I've said, hey, I get it, but hey, don't blame me. It wasn't my fault. So I was in college, so uh, yeah, you weren't even here. So <laughs> um, you know, and Sefa probably should have won that year, but it came, I guess, came down to that Sefa didn't win a state title. But this so, yeah, year, now, now this year, I, I can't, I just don't see that mattering. It shouldn't matter. I'll put it that way. It's just hard looking at statistics to foresee a, a world where Uma doesn't win a player of the year. Right. Just because of just his body of work. Yeah. It's just so inc- insane. Yeah. Well, especially when you consider that, like, even if Fort Hill wins in the state title game, and this, again, I guess getting a little ahead of ourselves, but nonetheless, if it is Fort Hill and Mountain Ridge and Fort Hill wins in the state title game, I mean, Uma still beat Fort Hill once this year. Right. They so still, it's, they it's, not like, it, it's not like they lose twice and get killed in both games. Like, I can't remember if they if Fort Hill and Ridge played the Sefi. I don't think they did because I think Ridge went 6-4 and four and didn't make the playoffs. Um, so they just had the one game. But... You know, Seth had a, a, a nice game against Fort Hill when they did play. Is that the year that Ridge lost by one to Kaiser, I think? The yes. last game of the year? Yeah. Kaiser went for two and, and won it, Heartbreaker. That was the, the year that we talked about the other day when the person that ran the Allegheny uh, Blue Crew Twitter page called Mountain Ridge the Cleveland Browns of Allegheny <laughs> County. And then Ridge just promptly just kicked out Coe's butt. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's one of the worst insults you can give someone, I think. Yeah, that was pre-playoff win Browns, too. So, yeah. Which, I mean, they're still kind of pathetic. But, but yeah, so I feel like, you know, I don't know, just looking at numbers and whatnot, Uma, definitely the front runner right now. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. Who you, would look, it, you look at his per-game averages, his, his cumulative totals, the fact that he will have likely played in uh, 13 games, like, He's also a two-way player. Yeah, you know, punter as well. A three-way, yeah, with the punting game as well. Yeah. Who um who would you have as like number two at this point, or like a a group there in the mix? I mean, I feel like Uma is probably a tier of his own. Right. At this point, I think he has to be. That's what I mean. So him, he's in his own tier, and then he like, has who's to be, in the I next think. tier? 
Mikey Allen's in the next tier. The Fort Hill thing's so difficult because, like, they all – and this, I mean, this is nothing new. This happens every year at Fort Hill. But they all kind of take away from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, at Mountain Ridge, it is Uma and it is Jaden Lee, and they sprinkle in some Will Patterson. But at, at Fort Hill, it's now Jabril Daniels. Um, well, I mean, you look at that offense, like, I mean, the wing tee itself, it's, you know, the, the wing back, the tailback. They're kind of like the the big play right. options that don't get a ton of carries, and then the fullback is traditionally who gets like a ton of carries, you know, twenty five, thirty touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a player who does stand out, it's generally the fullback, like a Blake White of two years ago. Right. So um, they don't really have that per se, but yeah. you know, uh, it, it's like I think Mikey just as far as um, his uh, defensively he has a couple pick sixes. Um, you know, punt the return. special teams game plays a factor as yeah, well, he has, for sure. He has punt return yards. He has, you know, of course, uh, I think he, he, if they make the state championship game, you know, he'll get close to 1,000 yards rushing. But, I mean, you just put, you know, oh, it's one player with 1,000 yards rushing versus Uma with 40-odd touchdowns. 46 right now and, you know. 1,000 passing and rushing. That number it's, could go over uh, – or no, 43 touchdowns, sorry, 43. But, I mean, who knows as far as, you know, with what happens going forward. Right. You know, I think a player who um, maybe the most impactful player on Fort Hill is Carter Hess, as yeah. particularly defensively, where, I mean, the difference when the second team comes in for Fort Hill, the biggest difference is the line where, you know, not to say that Fort Hill's linebackers and defensive backs aren't good or anything, but that's the biggest thing you notice when, you know, Fort Hill's on defense – you know, the, the offensive linemen are getting pushed back, like, every single snap, yeah. almost. And when he comes out, there's holes and, and whatnot. It's just a very stark contrast. Yeah, and it, it's kind of been my, like, the way I look at MVP is I look at the V and valuable, you know. And, and to me, my thinking is that if you take this player out of this team, how do they look? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Fort Hill wouldn't be, you know, a powerhouse without Carter Hess because they'd find other ways and stuff like that. But like you just said, the impact that he has, um, you know, last year was a, a big reason and T.J. Lee wouldn't defensive player of the year. Right. You know, and T.J. was a, TJ was a good player. But co- going into the season, he was a player that, like, wasn't even really mentioned in the season preview. He was mentioned zero times. Yeah. In the entire preview. Yeah. So as even a kid who might play defensive line. Which might. which says a lot both about just kind of how Coach Alcar saw the team going into the season and how TJ grew as the season went on. Right. Um, but know, also and, about Carter's. Right. You know, soaking up blocks and whatnot. But I think um, to your point about MVP is you know you look at the. Uh, most valuable players of the National Football League, the Heisman Trophy winners in college, you know, they're almost always quarterbacks because, you know, that's such a position that commands so much attention. Yeah. You know, I guess around here, maybe fullbacks and running backs get a lot of attention because teams aren't really throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. But Mountain Ridge is a team that is throwing the ball. Yeah, and that is the most important position on that team. And he's doing it at really as high a level as you could imagine. Yeah. He's completing nearly 70% of his passes, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just efficiency. He has no, very few turnovers. He has no fumbles this year, I believe, too. That sounds right. I, 
so, I mean, that's just incredible for someone who, you know, running and throwing the football. He has three total turnovers compared to 43 touchdowns. You know, just insane to think about. I love every time I go to Max Preps and type in Mountain Ridge and the newly formed Mountain Ridge Sentinels in Utah pops up. It's always nice. It's ominous. Um, yeah, Uma does not have any fumbles. Yeah, so. so he has three total turnovers this year. The team has six total turnovers. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's insane. Especially when you you are throwing the ball. Like, yeah. it's not like they're yeah. just, they're just seniors and intelligent players. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Mikey is in that tier. I don't know who would even, who else would even potentially. I mean, I guess, like, Peyton Day at Petersburg, just from, like, a statistical, stats, a, I mean, a I guess throwing their Mason Miller from East Hardy, too, just racking up raw numbers. Yeah. But um, it's like. Maybe throw Caden Bratton in there as well, maybe. Um, yeah, he's. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, based on the uh, MVP argument, I mean, he's well, yeah. incredibly valuable. Yeah, that. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that might be it in that one. Yeah, it seems like a year where there isn't really a lot of debate about for that award. Yeah. And, and, and the thing with Frankfurt is that they're just such – Frankfurt is such a team. It, it's it's not – you know, they're not – They're led, like Fort Hill. Yeah, they're not they're led by one or two Hill. guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's different people uh, pitching in every week. Um, Parker Van Meter has been – you know, we already kind of talked about it. It has had some injury issues the past couple of weeks, and that's really limited his game. But, you know, still effective there. Um, Tyreek Powell's a, a kid who has kind of really come on here as of late. Um, and the way that Luke Robinette orchestrates that offense and whatnot. Um, also, I, I, I should have pointed out when we were talking about the Scott game, but Coach Whiteman drew up a trick play. He was picking on a kid. Like, specifically, he watched <laughs> tape, and they ran a bunch of jet motion. Um, sometimes they would hand it off. Sometimes it would just be a fake. Scott but, did, you mean? No, no, uh, Frankfurt did. Oh, okay. Um, against Scott uh, early on. And there were two, like, one play, John Anderson got, like, minus 11 yards on it or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. he lost a ton of yardage. And I was just like, man, why are they still, why are they still going to this? Why, this isn't doing anything for them. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just not sealing the edge, and if they are, there's not enough space to get anything out there. And uh, so it was It was third and two, and Frankfurt was up 7 nothing at this point. It was early in the second quarter. And uh, third and two, Frankfurt passes the ball. It's incomplete. And they go out and call timeout, and Whiteman draws up a trick play. And... Here comes John Anderson, left or right on the jet sweep. They hand it off to him, and I'm looking, and there's a kid wide open, like 20 yards downfield. And Anderson just throws it on the run, hits him almost in stride, and uh, David Holsinger catches it, walks into the end zone from like 28 yards out or something like that. And so I asked Whitey after the game about it, and he specifically said, he's you know, uh, you have to exchange film, and I don't know what it, I don't know if it's a rule in Maryland, but in West Virginia, you have to exchange film. Mm. Um, I think Maryland, it's like three films, maybe. I think there's a number of how many you have to exchange. It might be two because Coach it, Patterson told me he had two of uh, Bo Manor's games. And then you can like ask for more. Yeah. Or ask for 
specific ones. Mm. So I don't remember who it was. It was Oakdale. Uh, asked specifically for like Old Mills film because mm. <laughs> they had success. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's the rule. I don't know if West Virginia, you have to do all of them or what. Gotcha. So uh, Whiteman said that, you know, they noticed that there was a kid who was, he would defend his receivers inside and he was a lot more, especially when they went out and actually were running this jet motion, they noticed that he was a lot more focused on the run than the pass. Mm. Well, sure enough, this was probably like this sixth or seventh time they ran this jet motion. They handed off to John Anderson the third, and in comes that defensive back. And like I said, Holsinger was wide open. Almost so. like a fullback trip. Yeah. You know, they're like conditioning this kid over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, we're going to take this loss, and yeah. it's fine. It's like Pavlov's dog. <laughs> um so, yeah, um, yeah, that's the Frankfurt thing. They're just kind of more of a team thing, and it's, it's unfortunate for them. But on the plus side, they should, you know, they should get a couple of first-teamers. They've had years where they've had, you know, teams that haven't advanced this far that have had players that have ran for, you know, thousands of years. The Marley kid. Yeah, right? Nick Marley. He, yep. I mean, heck of a player. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't go as far. Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're this year, look at uh, two years ago as well when they went, um, un, was it unbeaten? No, they lost one game. Yeah. They lost one game during so the regular Spring season. Spring Mills? Or no, they, they beat They Spring beat Mills. them this, that, or that year. Washington. It was Washington they yeah, lost to. Yeah, yeah, heartbreaker. But, yeah, so anyway, they lost one game that year. They were like a top two or three seed maybe in double-A. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, COVID canceled their season. But that was another year where it was a team game. You know, they didn't really didn't, – I don't think they had a 1,000-yard rusher on the whole team. Yeah, At that think. point in the year, so. Yeah. It, it's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. You know, with these, you don't have as good of a chance with these individual awards. But I think Coach Whiteman is probably the favorite for Coach of the Year. Yeah. You know, but it's hard to say because. If I Mountain mean, Ridge wins a state title, I think Coach might, Patterson will get it. Just because probably. of the fashion in which he would get it where they go undefeated and, you know, they beat Fort Hill. The method in which they do it. But then again, if Frankfurt wins a state title, I want to say I mean, it was in the News Tribune, maybe, that uh, Whiteman said he only expected, like, six or seven wins this year, maybe. Really? Or five or six, something like that. Like, his expectations coming into the year were not great. Yeah. You know, so, I mean. Just and part of that, like, he, he talked to you about it with their line, you know, and that, that's really a, an area in which they have very much improved upon as the season has gone. Yeah, because I remember for the preview, like, He's basically listing a laundry, like every lineman on the roster as possible guys on the line. Like, they're right before the season, and they still were trying to figure, you just find somebody to play guard and yeah. just find somebody to, to fill that spot. So yeah, and those they, interviews happen like a week and a half before the season starts. Yeah, so like, they've, they've clearly found something that works. So Yeah. But, yeah, back to the awards. Um, offensive player of the year. Front I mean, if Uma doesn't win Player of the Year, he has to win Offensive Player right. of the Year. That's just fact. And I think Mikey's probably Offensive Player of the Year favorite. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say him or Bratton. Someone I'll I'll, I'll throw a name out there is Jaden Lee, and he's kind of like a do it all. He, he doesn't guy. he doesn't have the cumulative numbers unless he runs for you know a thousand yards over the next two weeks, but. Um, I kind of mentioned it last week in my preview, but, like, he didn't really run the ball for the first couple of games this year. Um, right. Like, in the first, 
in week one against Southern, he had two carries for – oh, okay, he had receiving yards. Okay. It threw me off because it says he has two carries, minus three yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> um, against Catoctin in week two, one carry for three yards. Um Against Alco, eight carries for 26 yards. Frankfurt, six for 33. Then the Fort Hill game, 16 for 136. Um, Northern, 13 for 177. Williamsport, 18 for 67. Um, Kaiser, 14 for 57. Northern, again, 14 for 126. Last week, four for 25. So, um, you know, there's some receiving numbers in there as well, but... Just uh, a kid who doesn't have the cumulative numbers, but obviously those games early in the season did happen. But yeah, it's the kinda, fact that he was playing wide out for the first couple of weeks. He was like a slot receiver. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, like, the teams now are so much better. Like, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's three teams in the state semis. I don't know. Has that ever happened in area history? Probably so, not. Probably because, not. I mean, that impossible. Would, it was impossible in Maryland. That before, would right? Yeah, that would require one of Fort Hill or Allegheny. I guess if Fort Hill and Allegheny, when they were in different classes, possibly. Yeah, maybe. Because um, even like Kaiser Frankfurt, I guess it would have been possible for them. But, I mean, Frankfurt's only been there four times. We'd have to look through, but I feel like it's probably never happened before. Probably not. Definitely never hosting four right. or three. I mean, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, the just overall, this area is like very having a very successful season, and those teams are so good. And part of why they're so good is that there are just tons of options that can hurt you. Yeah, you know, it's not like they're like, you know, I mean, speaking of the Cepha year, where you know they're not, I, I, you know, you put him on this Mountain Ridge team, he's probably not having two thousand rushing yards just because, you know, there's so many other great options on the field. Right. You know, he's still gonna have a great year. He's, yeah. You know, but it's not, you know, there's, there's not as much reliance on one player. Part of it, too, is they weren't running the spread then either. Correct. But, yeah. Um, but even so, I mean, he, he probably would have, you know, way more receiving yards than he did back then. But, right. You know, yeah, right. yeah. He probably had, I don't know, maybe 10 catches on the year. I don't know. Can't imagine. It was, probably wasn't very many. But, yeah, so these teams are so good that there's just so many options that, you know, there's not a lot of individual stat padding going on or, yeah. or anything. Yeah. At least outside of Mineral and Allegheny County. Yeah. Or inside of, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah offensive, you know, offensive player of the year is pretty much. It's pretty much just. This, pretty much the list for player the of the second, year. Yeah, the second, yeah. Minus Carter S. Yeah, it's basically just the second group from, you know, assuming that Uma does win player of the year because he's the, he's the front runner at this moment. Yeah. It's really just between that second group there. Yeah. Defensive player of the year, probably Carter S. I, yeah, I mean, I throw Parker Van Meter in there from Frankfurt. Luke Robinette's a good safety as well. Yeah, from Frankfurt, both are good players. Um, I don't know. Other than that, um, you know, Mountain Ridge has some D linemen that are good, but I don't know if they're, you know, as they're not as dominant as Carter Hess is. Yeah. it's hard to say. Yeah, Tinsley uh, Rosales, really good players. Yeah, yeah, Hunter Kleiss is in there as well. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I guess he's probably he's definitely in there. Yeah, I think he's probably of the Mountain Ridge players on defense. He's definitely in that group. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I would agree with that. Um, lineman of the year is, I mean, that one's. It, it's a weird thing because like, 
if a lineman wins defensive player of the year, then de facto shouldn't they also win lineman of the year? You would think. Maybe not necessarily, but... I guess it's like how you can win MVP, but you don't win Offensive Player of the Year in football. Right. You know, yeah. like a quarterback will win MVP, and then like Randy Moss. Or yeah, like the Tom Brady year. Like Tom Brady's MVP, or I say the Tom Brady year, like he hasn't played every year for like 30 years. But <laughs> the year when they then when the Patriots ran the table. Yeah. You know, like he set the touchdown record, whatever. But Randy Moss was the best player on that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brady was just throwing up lame ducks to him, and he was coming down with it because he's yeah. a beast. Um, like, he should have won MVP. But anyway, he, he won Offensive Player of the Year instead. So it's like, or AFC Offensive Player of the Year. So I, to me, it's kind of like that. Shout out Rand, West Virginia. Yeah, true. Um, We've been there. Yeah, so I think uh, using that logic, assuming that Carter Hess is Defensive Player of the Year, then I think Alignment of the Year is, uh, my favorite is Peyton Miller. Yeah, that was who I was going to say. Yeah. Um, Both sides of the ball. Was, uh, oh, I can't remember the kid's name. The kid from uh, Tangler. Kid. Was it Tangler? Tinsley. No, Dawson Tangler. Was that his name? That Dawson won- Price? No, no, no. Uh, that won, who won Defensive Player of the Year and Lineman of the Year? That you're thinking of Caden Arbaugh. No, no, not Caden no, Arbaugh. Way Wait, off. not Caden. Caden is uh, presently on Peter, Petersburg. Uh, Arbaugh is his name. Wyatt, maybe? Wyatt Arbaugh? Yeah. That sounds right. That was in the weird COVID year, though. So there was only oh, the, the okay. West Virginia schools. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I think Gabe Ryan from Kaiser's in there. Yeah. He just got a D2 offer the other day. So good for him. Kid who's been playing at Kaiser for like 13 years, it seems like. <laughs> just seems like he's been he there. He started as, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. he's a beast. Yeah, he is. So I think uh, he's in there. Um, obviously, he has... Um, I think what other alignment would be in there. And usually Northern has some kids, but yeah, no one really comes to mind this year. No, they had so many injuries on the line, especially at center. Felt so bad they for had, Phil. By they had three at center. <laughs> Felt so bad for Phil. Um, yeah, I would say that pretty well rounds out the list. Just two, or there's three. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're the favorites. Yeah. Surely we'll be wrong, though. Who knows? I feel bad for – I was just thinking about Coach of the Year. I feel bad for Zach Alkire because – He won last year. Oh, yeah. I keep this – the whole COVID thing is still just racking my brain. For some reason, I was thinking Coach Whiteman won last year. No. No, it was Alkire. And I like how that was even controversial. Wow. Like, there are people, like, who are mad about that. Yeah. Just, oh, he has the best players or whatever. It's like, I mean, they had a player literally die. Yeah. Like, late in the season. Yeah. Like, that, that speaks for itself. Yeah. And so, they kind of... And they they won. They bonded around that, and, you know, that is... Like, if that's not a coach of the year effort, I don't know what is. Yeah. And, and the thing, too, is like, you know, these they can say what they want, but it's like, you pick any... Tom, Dick, or Harry out of the stands, they can't get down there and have the same success. Yeah. You know, as much as they might think they could. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've won eight straight titles on men, so I can definitely orchestrate that offense. That's really not a lot, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's really a lot of good options this year. And it also depends what happens at the end of the year, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, who wins the title, um, 
you know, Frankfurt upset. I mean, if they win this week, upset Independence. I mean, that's just an incredible win, undefeated Independence. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you know. Arguably like a top five team if they were in AAA. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, you you know, from there you're basically picking between Whitey and a state another state champion. Yeah, so you, you know. can't go wrong. Yeah. Maybe they just, I don't know. Co. Cove coaches the. Yeah, maybe they just. Try. Maybe they just. <laughs> Three of them. Everyone gets a trophy. Let's go back to that. No, let's let's not. We're not too far from that, apparently. <laughs> so, all right, that's about all I have for today. I have to get up for work tomorrow morning, so I don't. But unfortunately, so, uh, yeah, not to rush this out of here. But do you have anything else though? I don't. I felt that was a pretty good place for us to end. So, do you have any uh, Thanksgiving plans, Kyle? Uh, going to my nan's house. No, so I, I know you're coming in here to work. Yeah, I'm so. work. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't see my family till Christmas. So, it is what it is. You know, it's part of not being from this area. So I'll be in here eating. And it's part of working here. Yeah. So no early deadline or anything. No. I early. guess on the plus side, I mean, you can commit whenever you want, but <laughs> still though. Um, yeah, so lots of football, <laughs> lots of uh, lots of turkey. So, um, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Kyle Bennett CTN. I will be in Frostburg on Friday night. And Alex, where can listeners find you? At a ritual on Twitter, and I'll be at Cumberland or Greenway Avenue. I don't know why I said Cumberland. <laughs> I'll be at Greenway Avenue Stadium on Friday, probably joined by Jordan. Yeah, and yeah. Kyle and I. Do you think we'll both be in at Frankfurt, or just one of us? Uh, I mean, we should at least send two of us. So I'll be there for sure. Yeah. So either me or Jordan will be there. So my niece's birthday party's that day, but it'll be over in time. I'll so. Screw her. <laughs> Bring her. Happy birthday! Here's I here's wanna, a ticket to a football I wanna game. I want to go because I want to use my plan of sneaking a coffee pot in, <laughs> like a, co- a Mr. Coffee. I really want to do it. I honestly might just go, just to watch. Like even if I it, like if Jordan goes, I might just go just as a spectator. For, well, no, I mean I'm gonna use my press pass, of course, but run on the field after the game. I'm not buying a ticket from GoFan or whatever it's called. <laughs> That's just not happening. Um, but yeah, I don't know, because I mean, uh, three of us covering it would be overkill. So I mean, who knows the next time that'll happen? Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's I don't know. Maybe I'll get a column out of like all three games or something. I don't know. Anyway, this has gone on far too long in conversation that we could have had off the podcast. So now you all had the pleasure of listening to it. So, uh, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter there and there. Um, and, and we'll be back next week. We will be back next week. Guaranteed. We will, we will have, uh, hopefully, hopefully multiple teams win this week and we can get some coaches interviews for you next week. So And hopefully you'll that be able would, to hear us. God, that would be depressing if all three teams lost this week. That would be depressing. That would be horrible. So It could happen. It could, but it's it won't. So we will be back next week, and we will talk to you all then.